Mind Your Urge Podcast. I'm your host, Big Steel, the Urban Gardener. The co-host is Tim. And our guest for the day is Keisha from SciCityCo.com. And our topic today is going to be food scarcity. But before we get into this topic, uh, Keisha, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're trying to do and accomplish. Well, okay. Thank you for the opportunity. So, um, SciCityCo.com is my website. The name of my company is Science in the City, Inc. And, um, you know, the whole focus of my company is Science in the City is a social enterprise, and I created to disrupt systemic racism and science because I'm a science educator. And um, what I do is basically try to help free the minds of the young people I work with and really try to give them some tools and I would even say weapons to break themselves free from a lot of boundaries and oppression that they have just being in the system, even if it's an institution where a child should be educated. One of the ways I know that I reach my kids is by talking to things that resonate with them and food scarcity resonates with them um urban farming resonates with them when i make the connection so um i just continue to just work with young youth of color i mean most of my students are black or latino or some type of hispanic background and a lot of the people even a lot of young people i come in contact with and i mentor or connect mentors with are young people who if they did not have this opportunity they would be just lost and probably having a pipeline going to a system that does not not does not support their goals their dreams and does not allow them to really actualize themselves so i really appreciate this opportunity of just being able to you know vibe with you guys get on your podcast and talk about something that you know is very near and dear to my heart in terms of that young people are affected by it oh that's that's pretty dope that's pretty that's pretty dope. I, I love what you're doing by the way like what you're doing is is um that's awesome you know for the for the city trying to teach the kids something different that is that is very awesome. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, especially in the science sciences, a lot of a lot of kids they don't want it. they they are very they do a lot of stuff in the sciences, but they don't really realize it. Like using their phones, like TikTok, uh, all of that, all those different things that this science. Um, yeah. But they don't really realize that it is. So that's pretty cool that you're helping to make bridge that gap and make the connection. And and beyond that, um, I appreciate that you recognize that. But even beyond bridging the gap and making the connection, my goal is for them to be the producers of these dope things in science that mm. we use and not just be consumers. We know in a in our community, our dollar doesn't even get recycled once. That's so true. It doesn't even get recycled once. So, so imagine cool. if we could create these urban farmers and these urban farm pods because they learned something from my class and now it, speak their, it sparked their interest 
they've learned about food scar- scarcity and then they learned how to farm and make their own food and now we could turn these young people into the producers of things instead of only consumers that we can recycle our dollars there should be so many of us where i could go to a, a urban farm um or uh you know just a little urban garden and be able to buy produce and the person looks like me and they own it yes that's that's I agree. That's, i totally agree so totally planting, planting that seed but even as you mentioned tim just like all the cool things that they do in um in science in general because i don't just focus on you know just agricultural stuff i mean i I run the gamut. Um, but imagine if they knew how to design a supply chain and we had a we had the green book of of urban farms where we could go in any state, any city, and we know where to find a, a black gardener so that we could support them. Yeah. And not and not only just with uh um something that I'm working on as well as with the supply chain, not just with food, but with anything. Right. Um, um, like with tech or technology using TikTok uh, and all these different things, knowing how to distribute, um, how to get your product to the market and making sure that you control every step of the supply chain, like that'll help you to generate the most income and build generational wealth. Absolutely. And that's the goal. So the goal, the, the goal for my disruption is to disrupt this whole, this whole area where um, a system that has been created so that there is no way that generational wealth can be built because when you have a system like capitalism you need people on the bottom you need workers you need to have a, a, a labor force that is limited in their way of thinking and and you know um, manifesting things for themselves you actually need that to be to sustain the top part of that system and it's like no let's disrupt that system and teach them about supply chains like let them know that language i learned that language of as an adult but we use it to your point we use those things all the time right we we don't mm-hmm. we might not know the supply chain but we know that we're able to go to a store and buy what we want so yeah. That's what my goal is, like disrupt the way that these kids are taught and start teaching them so that they can empower themselves. And if I got to do it at the basic level first, you know, I might pique your interest by creating compost bins and then talking about worms and then start farming stuff and making food. But then I might say, okay, how will we write a business plan for this? Or how could we create an app so that people would know about our stuff? How do we reach more people? And and if I can get you on that level and hook you, but the whole point is I'm trying to hook you into the idea that you can make things for yourself um, and on your own. And that's what I love about what you guys talk about, too, with the hemp and the cannabis about, you know, how do we get to a level where we are the ones opening up dispensary- dispensaries and also we are the ones who have our own brand and we are building generational wealth off of something that is used recreationally and is exploding in the market. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a lot, man. I mean, we gotta, I think, like I always say this, we gotta start with local politics. Like we gotta start with the, with the local offices first and then, you know, send somebody to Washington, they can fight for all of us, you know, but 
like I, I was saying this earlier today, like we always give our vote to the wrong people and they turn on us when they get up there. And, you know, we got to learn how to hold these people accountable for, especially if we give them our vote, we got to hold them accountable. Yeah. There has to be some type of accountability there, you know, where it opens up more doors for, you know, minorities, you know, for black because the door is easily shut on us when we're trying to do something big or they, you know, they see the idea and they try to steal it and, since they already got the money and everything, they'll still our ideal and run with it like it's theirs. You know? Not only will our idea be stolen, let's let's take it all the way down the the rabbit hole. Our idea is not just stolen. Our idea is stolen, repackaged, and then sold to us. Yes. Yeah, we yeah. we are we are like the pilot for everything that is cool and incredible and really creative in the world and then we they look at what we're doing take someone you know maybe get one person who's a a, a expert in that area didn't learn everything didn't create a prototype a patent for it and then send it back to you and say don't you want this and it's like do you not realize you just created that did you you didn't realize that (laughs) like and now you're buying from someone who stole from you to make what you already had originally cool. It's just kind of like breaking that chain, breaking that mindset that is so important. And I like what you said about the local politics. I mean, it really is about local politics when you're talking about your everyday life. Um, The local politics will impact how you experience your everyday life perfect example covid happened it's still going on we now have vaccines for covid but depending on what state you're in you're going you're going to be able to have movement in different ways i went to i'm in new york city so i went to a screening last night for an independent film by a young um, black filmmaker who was she made a film about kind of like the year 2020 in review and her cousin could come, but her cousin's girlfriend couldn't get in because she wasn't vaccinated. Mm. Um, and I was just like, but if I was in Florida, I would, we both could go in, you know, like, yeah. so those, that, so what you speak about Malcolm about local politics, that's the real thing. That's a real, real, real thing. Like local politics really determine how your everyday livelihood yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, politics with uh, your local economy. Um, I mean, which uh, economy and politics kind of go hand in hand, which goes back to spending your dollars in the community. It's a lot, like it's a lot of black people that have businesses and so forth. But oftentimes we have such high standards for those black businesses and for black people um, in general, which that's not a bad thing. Um but if if that black company uh, makes one one little mistake, it's like the, uh, most black company, uh, most black people they'll write them off. Like, oh, they didn't have any napkins. I won't ever go go to them again. But you go you go to Chick Fil A, you know, every day except yeah. Sunday because I mean they close. But yeah, and they're not gonna complain if they don't have napkins or straw. They're gonna keep supporting them. You know, but that's that so, mindset, right? It goes back <laughs> to like. The reason why I started Science in the City in the first place is because I work in the biggest public school system in the nation. And I mean, after just 
after a while of being there, I would say, well, it didn't take very long for me to recognize certain things because I didn't start off as being a teacher. I actually started off working in, I worked in the music business. I worked in TV and I worked in financial industry. And what drove me to education was the financial crash in 2008. Mm. Um, prior to that, I was working in an investment bank. Um, mm. So that's what drove me there. I thought I would be there and I'd be able to like inspire kids because there was a environment for curiosity and learning. And when I got there, all I saw was kids depressed and beaten down and, and they're 17, 15 and you're reading on a second grade level. I, what I saw was evidence of so much neglect and failure on the part of the system um, that I could not remain in that system and not, um, disrupt what was going on. Yeah, I definitely feel and, that. And it is it's interesting like how all of this ties into the food scarcity. Um yep. with the mindset and everything. How so many people they like uh and you mentioned in COVID earlier, Keisha, um how uh you can go to places like restaurant depot um and they not have any catfish because it's held up in Mexico. Yeah at the border. And it's like you can you can literally go to your local region and get catfish or crawfish or what you know or even in your backyard and get some okra, some tomatoes and some you know uh, broccoli whatever. So getting back to the mindset of actually producing your own, getting your own, like you know making sure you have it. Yeah, I didn't even realize. I mean, I really got into gardening. Um, within the last year, but I didn't realize how much food you could make. With, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you could grow in like a, you don't even need a lot of space. Like don't. the amount of greens, I'd be damned if I buy greens any place else. I mean, I don't buy <laughs> greens. I just, I, say the same I just thing. grow it. Like what I want today, or well, I want some cabbage, I want some kale, what I want, I want some collards, uh, a Swiss chard, and I don't know about. Swiss chard is a very like bougie up here is a very bougie type of green and so mm. it's really expensive like really like it's ridiculously expensive like Swiss chard will be like five dollars a pound some stupidness like that and it's like what I now that I know how to grow my own food the basil the, I just get everything it makes no sense why I should even go to a supermarket to get that stuff. But that's just because I, you know, I gained the knowledge to do it. But once I did, I was like, nah, nah, we gotta, we gotta do more. We have to start getting these young people to understand that you could do this for yourself. Um, and, and you could be your supply chain to a certain extent for the things that you need to sustain yourself. And it's so great that the things that we're able to grow are the things that have the most nutrients Anyway, the greens have the most nutrients for our ultimate health. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's no mistake that it's like that. Yeah, the, the, the food scarcity. So, um, Keisha, the, the food food scarcity. Like, I know it's a it's a it's a problem that a lot of people are not really seeing right now. Some people are paying attention to what's going on. Some people are not. So, you know how 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 will we attack food scarcity? Like, what, how, well. What? One of the one of the issues, I think you're right about the first thing you said that people didn't realize how much of a problem it was. I think what was helpful, um, because COVID wasn't all bad, 
I think that what was helpful was that COVID allowed us to be still. And then that's when people really started to realize that there was huge amounts of food insecurity across this nation. I mean, just in New York alone, New York has 10 million people in it mm. that that's documented in the in the city. And about I say one point, it's like 1.5 million people face food insecurity on a daily basis, and one in three out of those people are kids. That's yeah. it. And so what happened is in New York, we realized that was an issue when schools were shut down because that was the places that a lot of kids were able to get food. They were able to get food in New York in the schools for breakfast and for lunch. Um, and I think one of the things that we need to do is kind of what you said before about dealing with it on a local level. So one, teaching people first of all teaching people about food insecurity and shining a light on it but then two connecting with organizations that support bringing foods like so the food bank um the different agencies that are supposed to help people eat having those relationships with them so that you can create programs so the, what i do is on very ground level right so i educate young people on how to grow their own food, young people and their families on how to grow their own food. And I do workshops and I go to schools and establish urban farms. And so that's what I do on that level. So that education piece is important. But then it's also, there are systems already set up that are supposed to be helping with food insecurity and they're not. And so putting that pressure and getting that local governmental pressure to shine a light on that. Because as constituents, we do have voices um, that we're not always taught on how to use. Yes, that definitely. That's that's that a lot of that is true, and um, you know that's why I I really believe it's important for people, well everybody, to start growing their own food. Like like everyone, you know, needs to start growing their own food, and not just for you know just to grow it but it's it's healthy when you grow your own food it's healthy it's not like the stuff you know in the grocery store a lot of the stuff in the grocery store we don't know how long it's been sitting up you don't know what they sprayed on it to keep it looking fresh Mm -hmm. it's it's just you know there's so much chemical in it then you know we eat these chemicals and these chemicals are going in our body causing problems inside of our body that we don't even know about the next thing you know you know we 35 36 we got pancreatic cancer we got mm-hmm. skin cancer we got foot cancer it's, 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 you, got, you got cancers that's coming out that no one's ever heard of before like where did this come from like yeah. so many diseases and and we don't even know how how um like their practices like uh you, you i don't know if you guys had to read a book like um uh, what was the name of that book the jungle um even though that was in the 1920s and so forth those practices are still going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And so ensuring that when you grow at your home, I mean, you you know what you're putting in it, you know what you're not putting in it, you know what you're spraying on it, you know what you're not spraying on it and everything. So you have a lot more control as to your health. Cause I mean, if if, if there's no you, then I mean, who, who are you feeding, <laughs> you know? With, how, how, can you, how can you accomplish the goal that you want if there is no you? So, That's so getting true. back to me. 
I mean, just that connection also between because science, I have a science background, um, that connection between what is happening during that supply chain, right? Like going back to even that, what is happening? How, what did they put in that food to make it grow faster? Why mm-hmm. is it that the eggplant that I grow never gets as big as the eggplant that's in the supermarket that looks all the same size? So why true. why is that you know like what why is there such a difference between that um and and like you said when you don't grow your own food or don't understand about growing your own food you have this lack of information that leads to something that's very detrimental i mean the standard american diet the acronym for it is sad because it truly is sad. Like the stuff <laughs> that is, mm-hmm. is constituted as food is really like poison. And, and it's so important that we as a people just have a connection to the earth anyway, because I'll tell you in these hot New York summers, um, this past summer was really hot. I spent about 60% of my time in a garden and it would be back-breaking work, but it was so, so rewarding. It was a meditation um, and doing this in a in the concrete jungle. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so, so, so uh, just to bring it back to the questions you asked, so how, how do you help and how, you first educate about food insecurity, you connect the, the people who are food insecure to resources that already exist that are there to support them and you also put pressure on your local government to make changes and when I say local I'm talking about as local as a community board um, you know as local as a, a, a city uh, a, a representative from your for New York it's boroughs but maybe district a city council person you put pressure on them to make changes that affect people who are suffering, you shine a light and you you galvanize with other spaces that are strong and and are allies to shine a light on that so that at the end of the day, people can get what is a right. You know, it shouldn't be based on where you live or the color of your skin or how much money you make where you'll either eat a nice piece of fruit or you'll eat a rotten piece of fruit. Yeah. That's that's so true, man. Like, wow, that's, that's and so the money's true. there. So it's like yeah. the money's there. The yeah, money, a, as a matter of fact, there's so many programs where if, if they don't use it, they lose it. Mm-hmm. But they just be using it on their friends or their friends' organizations. And I know that, and it, and the money's there, and it has nothing to even do in certain areas because sometimes it's local. But I'll say in New York. Sometimes it has nothing to do with the the economic status of the parent or guardian. For example, in New York, because kids were shut down from school and they, and a lot of kids weren't able to get food, they created a program. They realized it very early on that this insecurity is so real that not only did they open it up to the kids, we put pressure on them to open it up to everybody. So in the community, for the first time, the school was feeding the whole community. So when schools were shut down, you could go in the morning and the afternoon to get what you they called a grab-and-go bag. Mm. And that was for anyone in the community. It just wasn't for the kids. 
you could just go and get a bag of food, grab and go. And that was for throughout the whole pandemic. And, and I know locally in my school, like my daughter's school, we made, we put pressure to make sure that the community was made aware of this opportunity to get food because that people needed it. People were really like, you know, really, really starving and or really um, going without a decent meal throughout the day. And these were children. So there are and 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 they didn't do any favors. This is something that the federal government also puts money aside to. So, for example, also in New York, if your child went to a public school, the parent didn't matter how much money the parent made. Each parent got a card that replaced the amount of money that would have been spent if you were sending your kid to school for lunch or the money you're spending. They they did a, a percentage of the money you're supposed to be spending on feeding your kid because your kid is at home. So mm-hmm. parents could get, mm. they got cards that were like $500 to replace wow. for food. And that's not even a lot, but that's a lot. But they got that to replace for food for a, over a series of months. But that's not charity. You better believe that's connected to some stimulus check something where they had to prove <laughs> that they was giving it out, that they could get yeah. $500 to somebody so that they could get $50 million. Like, let's be clear. <laughs> like, kind of like what Malcolm said, like, we be voting for the wrong people and, and, and have some type of emotional connection to an ideal that has not served us at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true, so true in so many ways. Like I don't like I, something, you know. Something's got to got to change, you know. And unfortunately, you know, you're gonna have a lot of people that's not gonna change, and they're gonna be stuck in their ways. And you know, a lot of those people are gonna perish because they, you know, they're not gonna be able to to adjust to yeah. what's going, what's going, what's what's about to come down the pipeline. Because there's a lot of it's gonna be a lot of stuff that's going to change it's going to like and people are not going to be prepared be prepared for a lot of these changes that's coming down the pipeline how you know uh they're going to try to use control you know where you go and where you can't go and mm-hmm. stuff like that like it's, 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 it's down the pipeline uh, and, yeah i mean i live it firsthand yeah I, Applebee's. I was that shocked me. I don't even eat Applebee's like that, but I went in and they're like, "Proof of this and your ID." It's like, what? Mm, what are you talking yes. about? It's this crazy. is crazy. Mm. Um, but you're right, and it is going to come down to firing people. Yeah, I've been hearing that too. Some employees been firing people. Mm. Oh yeah, that yeah. In my the the system that I work in, if you yeah you got you got taken, they didn't fire them. They just took them off of payroll. That's so crazy. that yeah. So if you're a New York City teacher and you're not vaccinated, you are not allowed to come into the building. You do not. You're off of payroll, wow. and you will not get paid until you can show proof of vaccination. And for one year, they keep your health insurance. The union fought for that, so they'll keep their health insurance for a year. But other than that. They are immediately off a of payroll. Yeah, that that is crazy. And um, another thing too, um, like farming, gardening 
it, it a piece of independence, you know what I'm saying? Because if, if you can grow your own stuff, it's more, it's like less money you got to spend and you know, you don't, you're not dependent on, on grocery stores. Like I, um, yep. I was reading on money.com, um, a sustainable garden can produce one, uh, I think a half a pound per, uh, square foot. And like, like you were saying earlier, you don't have to have a gigantic space. No. And, you know, and, everybody's not going to like what everybody else like. You know, you're going to grow the stuff that you love. Right. You know, you're not going to be growing. Go ahead. I was just going to chime in. That's, I mean, that's how, like, you can, everybody can get fed because some people, they may, they may be growing okra. Another person may not be growing okra, but they do like it. And another person's growing, you know, let's say Swiss chart, you know, you guys mm-hmm. can trade. Yep. That's true. Not only that, uh, you not you also are able to grow what you want and you don't and you're not just at the mercy of the supermarket and see what they have depending mm-hmm. on where i lived in new york i could get asparagus or sometimes i couldn't it's even in the neighborhood that i live in new york which is a pretty nice neighborhood if i walk east my my options are much more limited than if i walk west and it's like when I grow my own stuff, I take that equation out of that. You know, I I can I can walk to my garden. I mean, and like you said, you do not need a lot of space. New York City, if you guys have ever been here, the apartments are tiny, tiny. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have a terrace, and so I grow. I'm growing beets on my terrace. Mm. So it's like. Come on now. I'm growing string beans. I'm growing my herbs. I'm growing a lot of stuff in my small apartment. And even um and even with that, you don't need a lot of space. I do have access to, you know, in my school there's an urban farm. So I manage that and I manage one of the urban farms in my, at my daughter's school. So I have access to a lot more space, but you don't need a lot of space to grow your greens. I mean, speaking of that, I mean, Tim, you could talk to us about and Tim, Tim, you <laughs> about growing greens. <laughs> yeah, you don't need a lot of space for that, um, and a lot of people think they need ten million square feet, and all you, like you can grow in a closet. Like you, you said, you mentioned you're growing on your terrace. You can grow on your terrace. You, you, you don't need a lot of space. Yeah, grow um, on a balcony. Yeah. A big thing is growing upward, not outward. And a lot of people yeah. they want to grow outward, which I mean you can, but looking at how um everything is going, like like even in a city like New York, um, there isn't a, really a way to grow outward. You have to grow upward. You have to grow up. You mm-hmm. have to grow gardening. You have to. Because it's n- you're not gonna find a lot of space. This is very true. It's, yeah. it's you're just you're just not. You're not, but you can still grow and and grow. I mean, the things you could do with a Home Depot bucket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. Like a $5 bucket. You could get busy. Yeah, it's facts. It's straight you facts. Busy. Yeah. yeah and, and a lot of people don't know, too, if you have an old cooler, you can turn that into a little garden bed. And, and yeah. you, you have insulation in in that that's gonna keep the soil cool for certain stuff that like cool uh, cooler uh, 
degrees and stuff like okay. that. Like a lot of people don't know that. Like it's so many ways. It's it's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm turning I'm turning a cooler into a hydroponics unit. I'm doing that with my students. That's like down the pike, like in a, two, a couple of weeks. Wow! Let's go. If you need any assistance, please reach out. Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I will reach out. Are you listen? I'm about to reach out. We're gonna do a, a damn Zoom. We're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> with the tools, because I want them. I just want them to feel empowered that's so important to me when you have kind of speaking of what you had touched on earlier malcolm like when you have when your mind is open and and you are able to be as creative as you want to be it really makes you feel powerful i had students i was working with we're we're, we're creating compost bins and because I'm teaching them engineering design and I'm mm-hmm. just learning how to, how do you bring things to market? Well, you got to have the idea. You do a prototype, you try this, you mess up, you know, and then you go back to the drawing board. And we were, um, so we're creating this bin and I want to, I want them to redesign it so that it's optimal for what the type of compost that we want to get to um, grow food in. And my students were, they just doing an activity of counting worms and making sure that they, you know, saw looked at the worms and saw the health of the worms and make some observations. And at the end, one of the students in the middle of the class, she goes towards the end of the class, she goes, I feel like a scientist. Mm. You no, know, and I just oh my goodness, like right there, that's what it was for me. That's that's why I, that's why I, I go in every day to disrupt the system. Because this is a one a young lady who's in who was in and out of foster care, who's had cases since she was like in middle school and is basically on her own and barely comes to school. But look at what happened when she did come to school. She was engaged in an, an activity that made her feel extremely powerful and smart. Wow. That's what I, what I do. That's that's. I'm glad, man. Like you know, I'm glad it's more people, you know, getting back in touch with the earth and you know, garden and plants and stuff. Because you know, this stuff is genetically inside of us. You know, what I'm saying it's, it's already there, and, and you know, everyone has a green thumb. And a lot of people think, you know, oh, I don't know how to grow stuff. Every gardener or farmer got a different method of how they do certain things. So when you start gardening or farming or whatever you're doing, eventually, after so much trial and error and failure, you'll start figuring out certain things and you'll have your own way of doing things. Yep. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And and just with the idea of hemp and cannabis, um, my students so i work in a population when i when it's not my when it's not the students that are part of my science in the city even though i pull some of my personal students into it um the population i work with in on a daily basis they are students who have been through the system so 90% of my students have been somehow involved in the court system either they're they they were in some type of correctional facility or they're in um, foster care, or they're in residential, they have some relationship with the system that is not positive. So the school was created so that we could give these kids a second chance. And in our space, the students are able to learn half of the day, get a trade for the other half of the day, and then they also are able to get a paid internship. 
um, to give them a foot up. And one perfect example of one of my students is a student who was a valedictorian two years ago. He um, was a high school dropout and became a valedictorian of our school because he came, understood what he needed to do. He also got his license in welding and then got placed into the union and then was making, he makes $100 an hour. He doesn't make anything less than ninety dollars an hour with a high school diploma. Mm. He makes more than I make as a teacher, and I have three degrees, mm. <laughs> and I'm still paying off student debt. You know, and so the premise of the space I work in on a daily basis is to disrupt the system, and so it's it's like I was able to um f- kind of find a synergy because I already created something to disrupt the system. And it's just amazing to see what you can do with these kids. Have my kids come to my classroom high because they smoking allows them to relax. They have anxiety issues. It allows them. And I never shame a person for that act. I might shame them for coming to my class late because I'm taking that personally. Like you need to be here to get all of this. You know, but in terms of, of in terms of coming in and they are inebriated off of cannabis, that's that's neither here nor there for me. And I have this receipts to prove it. If you see my class, students are actively working. Matter of fact, the students who the ones who take a break and there's some type of you know evidence that they might have been smoking. They are the ones that are most focused mm-hmm. and uh, and active, like actively want to do the work and get in. And, and my, I never changed my standards, though. So like they were not doing well because they were coming in too late. But once they realized that the connection between being on time and being present, their grades turned around. But I was never about like, oh, well, you, you, I think you might have been smoking, so you can't do this lab right now. You know, like, nah. Nah. Yeah. It's not about that, because there's no labs that I'm doing that's crazy, where they're using some crazy chemical or something like that anyway. It's about you are learning how to... Maybe you are, maybe you're not, right? But in this state, there, from my experience, I've seen evidence that it really helps people focus on a task. And at the end of the day, I need you to receive what I'm teaching you. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Good. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer in, in cannabis and cannabis unlocks the mind. It, it opens up the mind. You know, and it's, it's, it's a very, um, it's not a drug, you know. They they named it as a drug. They made it a drug, but it's not a drug. It's it, it is a medicine, and it helps create balance. I'm seeing a lot of evidence. Yeah. Of that. I'm, go ahead. No, I just I'm just saying I I see a lot of evidence of what you're saying, um, with the young people I work with, even adults. You know that, I mean, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do drug comparison to another one, some of the stuff that's given in these ADHD drugs. Yeah, definitely. You know? Or these yeah. Adderall. What does Adderall do to the brain? It it it's, it it dope so much. It's not a natural thing. Anything that's natural, I feel like shouldn't even be considered as as medicine. Now, don't get me wrong. 
pharmaceuticals has their place in the medicine world because I believe Absolutely. you know you can get yeah. so sick to where the natural stuff won't work. You have, you have to go the pharmaceutical way, you know. I, I believe that, but just to like to for certain things like ADHD, I, I believe cannabis can help with ADHD, and they know that too. But they don't want to put it. They don't want to put the real evidence out there. They don't want to put it out there. But they have evidence that this stuff really works for ADHD yeah. and stuff like that. Hmm? What's what's interesting is um, most a lot of those pharmaceutical drugs and so forth they have traces of cannabis in them. Yeah, so, so they 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 want to utilize it, but they don't want you to know that they're utilizing it, and they don't want to like want you to get reap the full benefit of it because you you're only getting a piece of it versus getting the full thing. Mm. That's, mm, that's very very interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Well, I'll tell you, I'm I'm happy that you guys are doing what you're doing. I'm happy that you have this platform that, you know, we can share people who are out there in the field like you guys are um, to share what we're doing. If anyone wants to learn more about what I'm doing, they can go to SizeCityCo.com um, and, and look up what I'm doing and even um, sign up to be an ambassador to support and, and and even maybe offer some mentorship to these young people who I'm working with. That's dope. You know, Mr. Tim, what we got for the for the uh, strand of the day? For the strand of the day, we got some banana kush. Mm. Um hybrid crossing Goso G and skunk haze. Um it smells and tastes just like a fresh Bundle of bananas. I don't know if it's bundles or bushels or whatever the word is, but a bunch of bananas. <laughs> Banana um, bush. Yep. Gotcha. Um, you're going to get a relaxed sense of euphoria. Um, it, it's definitely good for stress and depression. So um, if you're dealing with stress, anxiety, a lot of things on your mind, so forth. Uh, you're sad and upset. Um, so forth. It's definitely going to help with that. And it also helps it's stimulating getting those creative juices flowing and being talkative and active. So maybe some of your students are smoking on some uh <laughs> some <laughs> they might be. <laughs> they might be. Yeah. Wow, that's that sounds really nice. Okay, I'm gonna do the herb of the day. The herb of the day is lemongrass. <laughs> lemongrass helps reduce fever, it relieves pain, it improves sugar and cholesterol. And this is easily made. You, you can, you know, buy it out the store. But I prefer you to grow your own lemongrass right. so it's organic and you know where it comes from. That way you can just go outside, cut a couple of pieces off and boil it, or you can dry it out first and then boil it. So uh, those are both dope. I have yeah. to look up banana kush or uh, lemongrass. I already grow, so yeah, <laughs> I agree. It is amazing, and it just smells so good. Yeah, definitely. It really does. And uh this this episode of the Maya Earth Podcast. Thank both of you. Thank you, Keisha. Thank you, Tim. You know. Thank you, Keisha. Thank you. And we'll see you all on the next podcast episode. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Peace.